Morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us on SEN in Sydney, 1170am, of course, on the SEN app, wherever you're tuning in. It's Thursday, December the 15th, our second last show together for the year. The forecast for our Sydney listening area becoming cloudy today, but should be okay. 24 in the city and 26 in our west. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line. If you'd like to join me this morning, we'll have a lot of fun along the way through our next three hours together. And of course, the text message line oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Coming up, we're on hamstring watch officially. NRL hamstring watch, and you know what that means. We're checking out what's happening with Tommy Trebojevic's hamstring today. No update this morning from the club. The Manly Warringah Seagulls don't have an update for us except to say that scans will be taken today. So the reports were that uh, Tom Trebojevic was being taken off for scans yesterday. We're now being told that that'll happen today. Uh, good timing, bad timing. I mean, uh, no injury is a good injury, but this one's his fifth hamstring injury in three years, and it was always going to make big news. A little uh, pull-up at training and bang, it's back page news. Since his first injury back in 2019, Turbo's played 44 out of 97 games that he could have featured in. So roughly 40-odd percent, 44% there that he's played over the last, what, three years. And without him, Manly win just 33% of their games. Therefore, the interest in this hamstring you see what it means to this club in particular. And obviously, Anthony Seabold there now has his first taste of having a look at Tom Turbo. Uh, Pull-up sore in training. There are, however, 11 weeks until the start of the season on March 4. Manly will have the Bulldogs in round one. So that's 79 days in between now and then. So we'll have a hamstring watch going for you this morning we'll try and find out from the club what's going on with the scans when he's going in etc etc so uh, let's keep across that one obviously huge talking point now with the world cup final decided france go through to play argentina football commentator daniel garb will join me so garby will be across it but messi versus mbappe i mean it's all coming together for the final in qatar plus the continued fallout from the APL's grand final decision. And Danny Townsend saying in the press this morning, so from yesterday, that this is part of a four-year rehabilitation plan for the A-League. So remember when we spoke to Alex Brosk yesterday, he said to me, look, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't like it. What I would like is more details. And Brosky also said, I, I get the feeling that there's something else around it, that there's something else behind this decision. Well, this is clearly part of it, and the four-year rehabilitation plan for the A-League is what Danny Townsend is now saying. Could that have helped the situation and tempered it a little bit? I mean, fans still would have been upset, no doubt about it. But the reason that was given was, you know, this is long-term rationale, and once everyone understands, then it'll be okay. But there were no reasons behind that rationale. So would this have tempered... Any of the anger that's out there? Don't think so. Maybe, but, but gee, it'd be minor. I mean, we know the fallout and we know the feeling of the fans. They just do not want it. Simple as that. But the league and the APL is adamant that this is part of a broader strategy that when you're using the word rehabilitation, you're saying that you're the caretaker here. You're making sure that 
we get everything back up and running and continue the success or continue the game plan for the A-League and basically make sure that it's there. So these words coming out now in reaction, but again, no movement on the fact that the grand final will be locked in in Sydney for the next three years. Does that make you feel any better, folks? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number or 0457736736 or does it make you feel worse thinking that the APL with $160 million, I'm being told, in in reserves there off the back of their deal, doing a deal that's worth, let's call it 20 for the grand finals, is in full-blown rehabilitation mode. It's another interesting one. From the Sydney Flames this morning, uh, the WNBL, of course, Shyla Heal's going to be join me this morning. Um, if anyone caught the game last night, they went down to the Bendigo Spirit. Well, Shyla's dad, Shane, the coach, got ejected for a second technical foul. When I play you the interview that I did a little bit earlier with Shyla, it's, it's an interesting one um, because she said it wasn't dad's fault. It was not dad's fault. I didn't see the game, so I was relying on Shyla to talk me through it. But they are now 1-6 for the season, the Flames, and they will fire up against the Melbourne Boomers uh, tomorrow night, who are second on the ladder. So they're going up against, uh, last night, the league leaders who are unbeaten, Bendigo Spirit, and into the Melbourne Boomers, who are second on the ladder. Last night in the NBL, uh, the Cairns Taipans defeated the Bullets 85-76. to So we'll cover all that a bit later. Plus, we'll dig into the world of NFL with Laurie Horish from ESPN. Now, the FIFA World Cup semi-final this morning. France have knocked out... The, the nice story that was Morocco, who will go into the third-place playoff against Croatia, but it was 2-0 by the French. Here's how it played out. Moves forward again. France starting to try and pull, push Morocco back, and the pass has found Griezmann. He's inside the area, cuts it back inside, shot his blocks first time, second shot, takes a deflection, Bono's off his line, and it's in for France! The early goal, it's Teo Hernandez in the fifth minute of this semi-final. Teo Hernandez in space on the left side of the box and he has wheeled it in. Shifts back onto his right foot. Here's Mbappe getting through the traffic, getting a shot away. Back post and that should be it. It's Randall Colomirani who might have just sealed France's passage into the World Cup final. The sub, his first touch since being brought on. He's only been on for a matter of seconds and he has put France 2-0 up. In they go to Monday morning's final, Monday morning out time, 2 a.m. in fact. So Argentina v. France. Is it the final that you thought was going to happen? And what does it mean for the FIFA World Cup with the two heavyweights there? Interesting to see the odds this morning. So I've just jumped on to see the outright odds for the World Cup winner. France now favourites, $1.85. Argentina, $1.95. So head-to-head, the French will go into this one at this stage with the bookies' favourites, $1.85. Do you agree with that? Let me know. In cricket circles, the countdown on, of course, to the first test against South Africa. Australia v South Africa up there at the Gabba. Now, Marnus Labuschagne had a fair bit to say yesterday, and we do know that this is the first, this is the first test against South Africa since Sandpaper Gate. There's the David Warner situation that continues to go on. Scotty Boland, such a great news story as well. Let's have a listen from Manus speaking to us yesterday about Sandpaper Gate. I mean, is it going to be brought up? Will it be, will it be part of the discussion out there on the field? 
Uh, no, I don't actually. I, I think we've we've sort of buried that, and it, it, it's it, it's something of the past. And I think you know, moving forward, I don't think either team's really going to delve into to that part. But like I said, I can only speak from what I think and and from what our side is thinking. Wouldn't you? I mean, if you're South Africa, <laughs> surely you got to go there. I mean, is that is that crossing the line? I don't think that's crossing the line to do the old sledge about what happened back in 2018. So let me ask you that this morning. Do you reckon Sandpaper Gate is fair game? Not how they say it, not what they what they do out there on the field, but as a topic, is it fair game from the South Africans, do you reckon, to raise it in the first test? If there's a little bit of chirping going on back and forth, do you just raise a little dig here and there to Sandpaper Gate? Surely you've got to raise it. I don't, th- I don't know. I mean, the over-the-line, crossing-the-line situation is about how you sledge and what you do out there, whether you're in their face, you know, whether it gets personal, all that kind of stuff. But it was an issue, no doubt about it. It happened, we all know, and it's right there in front of them. Let me know. Do you think the South Africans have a right to go there, or is it off the table? 0457 736 736. That's going to be interesting to get your thoughts on that. Our women's team in Game 3 of the T20 International Series against India had a good win uh, in Mumbai. 21-run victory it was. Elise Perry leading the way with 75 runs of 47 balls. So a career-best score for her and player of the match. Grace Harris hit three sixes and four fours off 18 balls to end up with 41. Darcy Brown and Ash Gardner claiming two wickets each. So the Aussies win that by 21 runs. They lead the five-match series 2-1. And the next game is on Sunday. BBL last night. So cricket coming at us thick and fast. Game two out of the 61 games of BBL season 12. Adelaide Strikers beat the Sydney Sixers by 51 runs. In the end, the Sixers just didn't have much to stand up to the Strikers at home. Six for 184 Adelaide, Matt Short, 84. Chris Lynn, 41 on debut for his new club. Adam Hose, 40. Sean Abbott was the best of the Sixers bowlers with three for 37. In reply, the Sixers were done up seven for 133, so 51 runs short. Jordan Silk with 36. Henry Thornton took four wickets. Rashid Khan took three wickets for 21. As I mentioned, it was the debut for the Adelaide Strikers for Chris Lynn. Lynn Sanity. Coming to the Adelaide Oval, he spoke about being nervous when he went out there because with all of his experience at his age and everything that he's done in this format, especially of the game, here he is with a new club and new teammates. And he spoke about, you know, I had the nerves rattling around. However, I want your thoughts on this. It was the entrance that Chris Lynn made. So there was a trumpeter standing on the roof of the Adelaide Oval and belting out this as Chris Lynn came out. It's Edwin Diaz style for the New York Mets. Here we go. He's been trumpeted onto the field. It's Chris Lynn. (laughs) (laughs) What an entrance. What an entrance to your uh, first game for a new franchise. Unleash the bulls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that from Fox Sports, obviously. So the trumpeters were up there. Oh, you know, who did it best? You go over to uh, Timmy Trumpet when Edwin Diaz comes out. He's down on the ground and the atmosphere and he's pumping up the crowd. 
This one looked good. Old mate was up there playing the trumpet, harnessed up on top of the uh, Adelaide Oval stand, which looked good. Did it engage the crowd? I don't know if they knew what was going on, but it sounded good. It was good fun. Now, we've been over this before about best intro songs for sporting organisations, but what about songs that you could have for your sporting stars and teams? So individual songs, we know it's become a thing. Could we pick up a song or two this morning that you could attach to a a player or a team that you would like to hear as they walk out? Now, Mark, have you got the one that we're thinking about for Harry Kane this morning? (laughs) I think that one's... I think that one's kind of obvious. I'll get to that in just a sec. Got a couple of examples that Tommy's thrown at me. One around Tom Trebojevic, a Kylie Minogue song. Um, This is harsh. Made of glass. Come on. Jai Arrow, who let the dogs out? Um, A couple of those examples there. And when we get the Harry Kane one, I'll get the thumbs up and away we go. Yeah, here it is. Don't want to miss a thing. Let's go. Aerosmith, digging it in. All right, give me your songs this morning, the best intro songs, tunes, whatever you can muster up for our sporting stars and teams. In BBL tonight, the Brisbane Heat will take on the Melbourne Renegades, that one to be played in Cairns. So we've had a match at Marnica Oval in Canberra, one match at the Adelaide Oval, and the next one in Cairns. Tomorrow night, uh, I'll be part of the SEN BBL commentary team with uh, the great Dougie Bollinger. We'll be calling... The uh, Thunder V Strikers at the Swimming World Short Course Championships. Australia's women added the 4 by 200 metres freestyle relay gold and world record. So they did it again to their world record and gold that they won in the 4 by one Lani Pallister's having a wow of a meet. She added the 800 metre freestyle gold to the 400 that she won. Uh, Ariane Tipmas isn't swimming. She's part of the commentary team. And Lani was also part of the 4 by 2 relay team. So three gold medals for Lani Pallister. She's the daughter of Janelle Elford. And those that remember some golden years of swimming will remember the one and only Janelle Elford, who was a middle distance or distance specialist. Massive smile. And Lani Pallister's now um, forging her own way in an incredible way too, in the pool and out of the pool, I've got to say. Dawn Fraser was there. They've got a wonderful attachment. Australia leads the World Short Course Championships with five gold medals and all of them have been won by our female swimmers. So five gold, top of the table, all delivered by our female swimmers. Now, been pondering this one this morning. What is under our morning show Christmas tree this morning? So our second last show of the year, we've got the SEN Christmas party uh, tonight, and we get the jingle up and running, which sets us the mood to see what you would like to place under the morning show Christmas tree today. Now, I've just got to set the standard for you. Mark, you'll like this one. Over there at Red Bull Racing, Formula One style, Sergio Perez, one of their drivers, has given a gift to all 1,400 employees at the Red Bull factory. All 1,400 of them. And the gift is a bottle of tequila each. So Sergio Perez has gone to the factory with a bottle of tequila, with 1,400 bottles of tequila, 
to give to every single employee to say thank you for the job that you've been doing. They estimate the cost. There is there is a kicker here. They estimate the cost at about fifty five grand. But uh, he does have a deal. He's got a deal with a tequila sponsor. Yeah, that seems like that's, that's right. not quite fair. <laughs> Come on, I mean, that's like me saying get, getting Tommy a, a, an SEN branded pen for his Christmas present. I don't think it's the, quite the same thing. But it's isn't it isn't it the the thought that counts? I mean, not if you're getting a deal. Not if you're getting a bargain. <laughs> So, <laughs> you guys are harsh. So, if you're at Red Bull and Sergio Perez rocks up and gives you a bottle of tequila, yeah, do you go, mate? You didn't pay for it. No, no, I, I take it. That. I'm cheap. I'm not. Ah, I mean, I'm a right. hypocrite. I, of course I am. But <laughs> doesn't mean I can't think that he's cheap as well. Of course I can think that. <laughs> All right. Well, he set the standard. He set the standard. So. Where do we go today, do you reckon, with our sporting gift or our gift that we're going to leave under the morning show Christmas tree? Have you got any thoughts? I've kept thinking all morning and I haven't landed on one. Is there one that says, you're just a ripper bloke? Um, Is there one that says, hey, Sergio Perez style, there's a gift under there that, you know, doesn't really count? Or do we just go something nice, like an olive branch gift? If you've got a, a hated rival or a a club or a a team or an individual that you don't like, is there something that you could give? I mean, a lot of our listeners like to pile on Nick Kyrgios. Is there something that you could give to say, I'm in the festive mood, let's call it quits, let's kiss and make up? Well, that's a good question. Mm. I don't want to get more, I feel like I'll just be backhanding the England football team again. But could I gift the England football team a new manager? Is that... (laughs) Is that an olive branch? I mean, that's yeah, an olive I branch. Think so. I think a lot of England fans would like that. So I think <laughs> I don't think it's Harry Kane's fault, personally. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's go there for polarizing athletes, athletes or teams that just have done your head in for 2022. What's an olive branch Christmas gift that you'd like to give them to say, "Let's kiss and make up." Here's my gift to you to reach out and make us all feel good, just kind of like Sergio Perez did with his 1,400 employees there. I mean, I don't think they've got a problem, but he's clearly trying to get on side. So he's trying he's trying to get on side with everybody who's piecing together his car for next season. And here's a bottle of tequila. Um, 0457 736 736. Let's do that this morning. I want to know if you think that the sandpaper issue is off limits when it comes to the chatter out there in the first test. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number, or that text line again, 0457 736 736. It's 22 and a half minutes after nine. Yes, and we're also looking for your entrance song or music, piece of music for your uh, athlete or sporting team off the back of Chris Lynn doing the old um, New York Mets-style trumpet entrance, which was pretty cool, pretty damn cool last night as he made... His first appearance for the uh, Adelaide Strikers. Uh, Bexley Dragon says, Sergio Perez, champion. It matters not if he paid or not. He thought of it. He delivered it. Which other sponsored F1 drivers did the same? It's a good point, Bexley Dragon. Very good point. I'll tell you a story. So, And it comes out of Red Bull as well. Many years ago when Mark Webber was driving there, you know what gift he gave the team? I mean, these guys do give gifts. But what he did in the off-season, and we're talking about one of the leanest athletes um, you could find, he dropped, I think, it was only about a kilo or a couple of kilos of weight. He went ballistic in training. And when he came back to the factory 
and he was a couple of kilos lighter or a kilo lighter, that made a massive difference to the mechanics, the engineers and everything. It sounds ridiculous, but in Formula One it means a heck of a lot because weight does not translate to speed. So he came back and said, this is what I've done. I'm a kilo or so lighter, which will translate to much more speed for us and help us to set up the car. It's a left fielder, no doubt about it, but that's what he delivered. Not a bad one. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Have you got some kooky old presents there that we could leave under the tree? France to Morocco nil this morning is the final score from the second semi-final there at the World Cup. So it means that Argentina will play France in the final on Monday morning. Daniel Garb will join us to cover that. Uh, in just a few minutes' time. Barat Sundaracen, we didn't get to him yesterday, ended up jumping on a plane. So I'll get Barat's uh, latest from the first test build-up up there at the Gabba against South Africa. And a lot of your thoughts coming through about whether or not sandpaper <laughs> oh, sandpaper is going to be on the table, so to speak, when it... Uh, oh, somebody's just sent through a text. When it uh, gets to sledging. Yeah, OK, Jeremy. Song to introduce Matt White on his morning show, Sweet Caroline. It won't be happening. Will not be happening. Love the song. Overused. Let's get to the newsroom. Yeah, two games left, Vanessa. Obviously, the third-place playoff game there between Morocco and Croatia and, of course, the big one. Monday morning, the final. France v Argentina. Daniel Garb joins us this morning to break all that down. Good morning, Garby. What did you make of that? So, France go through the Morocco fairy tale finishes and it sets up France v Argentina in the big one. Yeah, it's a dream final in uh, so many ways, Matt, which we'll get to in a moment. But uh, I think we should pay tribute to Morocco, firstly, because their run has been extraordinary, knocking off uh, Portugal and Spain to make it to the stage, the first African team to make it through to the semi-finals of a World Cup. And they threw everything at France this morning. I mean, 2-0 does not reflect the true nature of that game. On another day, they could well have taken the reigning world champions to extra time. They hit the post with an incredible overhead kick effort late in the first half. They had chances in the second. They were excellent. So they deserve the plaudits, and they've been a a fantastic story of this World Cup. But now we have a dream final. The reigning champions in France, led by the best player on the planet, on form right now in Kylian Mbappe, looking to become the first nation, Matt, since Brazil in 1958-1962 to go back-to-back up against Argentina, of course, led by the legendary Lionel Messi, looking for his first World Cup crown. And Argentina's third in their history and first in 36 years uh, going head-to-head. So uh, on paper, you put all that together, it is uh, a mouth-watering affair. It is. It's it's tasty, isn't it? It's incredible. I had a look at the at the odds this morning. So Argentina was sort of drifting around the dollar ninety mark, and as soon as France made it, they're a dollar ninety five, and France are favourites at a dollar eighty five. Do you agree with what the markets are saying? Yeah, it's very even. I mean, you can't split them too much. France is the slightest of edges. They've probably looked more convincing throughout the tournament. That being said, Kylian Mbappe has had a lot to do with that. He has got them out of some tricky spots in a couple of games, and he has been the difference. Uh, He is the best player on the planet at the moment on form. Uh, Argentina have given opportunities to just about every single team 
they've played. They were knocked off by Saudi Arabia in that first game and they probably went to sleep after dominating that first half. Nothing against the Saudis and how good they were and how dangerous they can be. We all know they gave Australia plenty of chances late in that game. Nothing against the Socceroos and how um, much fight our boys showed, of course. But we probably deserved an equaliser on the amount of chances created late in that game. But against Croatia, they probably put in their most convincing performance of the tournament so far, Argentina. They didn't give the Croatians a sniff. Um, Lionel Messi obviously was mesmerising with his assist to seal proceedings late on. He led the way. He has done all tournament. It's the two best players in the tournament going head-to-head. I mean, there is no one else, I think, that comes close to Messi and Mbappe for the golden ball, for the best player of this World Cup. And perhaps it'll come down to who is best in the decider in terms of who wins it. Um, So you add all of that up, and it's a very even contest. Maybe you just give France the edge based on the fact that they've won the last World Cup and this team has achieved a little bit more on a stage like this, but Gee, not by much. Argentina have won a Copper America recently. That was so convincing during a qualifying. They wanted so badly for Messi in his last World Cup, and he's in fantastic form. (laughs) Every which way you cut it up, it is a pretty even contest, and that's fantastic. If by, by some weird fate, both Messi and Mbappe have quiet games, if they're not the men who are leading their charges, their sides to victory, who outside of those superstar headline acts are the danger men to watch for Argentina and for the French? Very good question. I mean, Griezmann obviously leads the way for France, and he's been very good in this World Cup. Maybe he's been overshadowed by Mbappe a touch. I think Griezmann's gone under the radar, but has had a very good tournament. He's been happy to sit back and, and create and pull the strings and let Mbappe take a lot of the limelight and a lot of the attention. And he's almost been happy to, to sit back and just uh, not put himself in as many dangerous positions, but set things up for Mbappe to do so. And that's been very effective for the French. We know Olivier Giroud's had a fantastic tournament leading the line in the absence of Karim Benzema. So they've got plenty of options. And Ousmane Dembele down the other flank for France with his rapid pace has been dangerous on a fair few occasions as well. So they have got other options. Griezmann probably tops the pile for France. Uh, for uh, Argentina... It's the likes of uh, Martinez and Julian Alvarez, who have both looked threatening as striking options next to Lionel Messi. They've been able to rotate those two, those two through, and both of them have taken their chances in front of goal throughout the tournament. So they've got top-class strikers there alongside Lionel Messi to, to do some damage. And you know, if there's too much attention on Messi, uh, he can perhaps create opportunities for one of them. So there are options. I would say France would probably have a few more attacking threats than Argentina would at the moment. Both sides defensively pretty even, I would say, at this stage of the tournament in terms of their performances. Have you got a thought who wins yet? (laughs) (laughs) On form, probably France. But I get the feeling that Messi might just make the absolute ultimate fairy tale happen. I think it might all just work out for him. I think if you're asking me on the balance of play with my head, just France, but not by much. But the heart comes into it a little bit as well. And I just think it might all just eventuate for Lionel Messi, which would be an incredible sporting story. Mate, I've got a question on our text line from the Wild Panther, and and it's one we raised with Alex Bross the other day about the third-place playoff at the World Cup. (laughs) And and you you know what they're saying, like, who really cares? Do you remember who ran third in 
in Precious Cups. Um, what are you? What's your thought on the third place playoff? And, and Broski made a good point, I thought, where for somebody like Morocco, for instance, what it is is a reflection of, of how deep they've gone in this tournament and their storyline, yeah. for instance, throughout this tournament. I think it's a hard, It's always going to be a hard one for the players. So what, why do they do it and, and what do you think of it? I just think because they've always done it, it's also an extra match to throw in for the television rights. And as you know, Matt, that doesn't hurt. Um, and mm-hmm. FIFA's very much inclined to, uh, to go that way, as many sporting organisations are. Look, to be honest, I think it's the most pointless match in all the sports. It, it means nothing all up. But on this occasion, there is a little bit more interest because of Morocco, because of the fact that a smaller nation has reached this stage and gets to play in another big game and has the chance to step away from this World Cup and say we won the third place playoff and finished third overall. It does mean a little bit more. Will Croatia care about it? Oh, a little bit. I mean, they've had a, an excellent run to the semi-finals again and after making the final in 2018, but they're probably a little bit drained mentally and physically after two massive World Cup campaigns over the last four years. Um, and usually if there's two big nations who make it, there isn't much interest in it. And at a time when the, the schedules are so packed for our footballers and we know about the timing of this World Cup being less than ideal, another game doesn't exactly help. But in Morocco's case, yeah, there's a bit more interest. And I think their, their fans will rightfully celebrate um, the stage on which they will be. And uh, I think everyone will be hoping, apart from the Croatian fans, that Morocco can win it because it would cap off what's been an incredible World Cup for them against the odds. 100%. A final one on the APL's decision around the A-League Grand Final. Now, we know exactly, and you mentioned the fans there, we know uh, what's been what's been taking place since this decision was made public. I wondered, Dan, what was next in all of this? And we saw the fallout from, you know, the Melbourne victory, etc., all of that kind of stuff. What was next was nothing. I mean, because the APL yeah. said, we're not changing our decision, and this is part of a rehabilitation plan. So... Can you see anything further developing from this story aside from possible walkouts here and there? Or, or, or is, this, is this now done? Is this locked in? Well, I think those possible walkouts and protests um, could have an influence on the story, Matt. I mean, the reaction from supporters across the weekend and maybe across several weekends may have an impact on where this goes. Outside of that, I can't see anything changing right now. They had a chance yesterday, uh, Tuesday, sorry, to influence things once more. The APL board, there was an extraordinary meeting held. They had another vote and they stuck with the decision. They've dug the heels in. So now we look to the fan reaction and we wait and see just how serious it is. And if fans walk out, the level of the protest that may influence things. That's probably where the story sits right now. We look to the supporters who are outraged on this. Um, we look at how many memberships are affected and, and so on and so forth in regards to, to the league to see what the powers that be choose to do from here. Um, but it's been a less than ideal situation. In fact, it's been worse than that. It's been disheartening um, and depressing at times considering the high that we were all on after the Socceroos exploits at the World Cup. So, yeah, the reaction from here may influence things, and that's probably what everyone's looking to see um, eventuates if that is the case from here. And and if things do boil over, maybe there'll be a change on that decision. 
It's a good point. Watch and wait and see what happens this weekend because the fans will have their say. Really appreciate your time. Enjoy the uh, the remaining two games of the World Cup. Thanks, Matt. All the best, mate. Daniel Gard there. So Sunday, 2 a.m., uh, third place playoff, Croatia v. Morocco. And then Monday, 2 a.m., Argentina v. France with France slight favourites at the moment, eighty-five. Ahead of the Argentinians, $1.95. We'll take a break. Come back with your texts and calls after this. Uh, good point, Stu, on the text line. Can you imagine if you were Moroccan and you were able to take away a bronze medal from this tournament? It would be a keepsake for all time. It would mean a heck of a lot, especially to the Morocco team and fans and nation as a whole. Uh, Mel says France now have the chance to achieve something that hasn't been done for 60 years since Brazil won the World Cup in 58 and 62. I did a bracket tipping comp for the final 16 teams and chose Argentina and France to reach the final with Argentina as my winner. Nice. Let's see how you go with that one. Jacko listening in from New Zealand. Uh, What do you think of Tim Southey being captain of the test side now and not Tom Latham, who has an outstanding record as captain Kane Williamson has stepped down as captain, and it was very unexpected over here. Yes, this news um, breaking, obviously, out of New Zealand cricket. Kane Williamson stepping down from the test team duties. Uh, He'll continue to captain the white ball sides and focus on his batting. And this guy's an absolute hero. So we've got a, a new skipper for New Zealand today, and it'll be Tim Southey. Williamson's captain the test side 40 times for 22 wins since taking over from Brendan McCullum. And he will continue as ODI and T20 international captain, as we know. Southie has played 346 internationals. He's captained the T20 side before, but he will now become New Zealand's 31st test captain when he leads the team on the test tour to Pakistan. I mean, that's a gruelling, gruelling series, that one. And obviously he will be in charge. And interestingly, he joins Paddy Cummins as the only other frontline fast bowling captain currently in operation. Tom Latham will be test vice captain. And he has, as you rightly point out, Jacko captained before in Williamson's absence. Why they've gone for Tim Southey over Tom Latham, I'm not sure. I would say experience counts in that one. Tom Latham's played, what, 68 test matches and... um, Tim Southey will now take over, but it's probably more about the fact that Kane Williamson won't be there. I reckon that's one of the interesting things, as in won't be there as the captain of the Test team. 88 Test matches for Kane Williamson, uh, average of 52, 24 centuries and 33 half centuries. So the batting's okay, but he wants to concentrate on it more. So a few changes over there in New Zealand, and they've got themselves a new Test captain and a will be a fast bowler. On Sergio Perez gifting 1,400 bottles of uh, tequila to his Red Bull factory, uh, well, essentially colleagues, 1,400 employees at the Red Bull factory. I'd like to know how he turned up with them. I didn't get to the bottom of that story. Or you just have them in the back of the truck. Did he, did he front on up with a couple of pallets? How do you deliver 1,400 bottles of tequila? <laughs> That's one heck of a big tree. Um, they estimated the cost, or what I saw this morning, the estimated cost was 55000 I think that's US. And it was pointed out that he does have a sponsorship with a tequila brand. Does it matter as a present? The old, well, is it re-gifting? Would you call that re-gifting? No. It's brand new. You can't re-gift tequila. 
Should you re-gift? Perhaps that's what we need to do, Mark, under the morning show Christmas oh, tree this morning. What would you re-gift somebody? What could we re-gift somebody? Oh, wow. Your best re-gift well, gift. I know, I know Coach K on the afternoon shows. He's got a lot of presents recently that I think they were all Jimmy Smith knockoffs that he didn't want anymore. So I think that's... <laughs> So I know someone in the office. Well, hang on a sec. I, I think that, that line may go back. That line may go back further. So you're saying that they're yeah, being okay, delivered yeah, to yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. I know that he's I know that he's left the building, so we can we can therefore start the defamatory comments. But um, you know, obviously any time that we need to look for a gift to give to our listeners, we've got to go to Jimmy's uh, executive suite. Because that's where he that's where he ho- he hoards them all. So what I'm saying which I'm not saying because I don't want to be. Is that the presence that Coach K is now regifting? Yeah. Perhaps James Smith has regifted them in the first place from somewhere else. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Uh, well, if you're Coach K's family this year and you're listening in, hope you enjoy your Signet Boost Power Bank. Uh... <laughs> Have you ever regifted? And seriously, what could I get away with regifting? underneath the morning show Christmas tree ahead of our Christmas party tonight. So there you go. We're going to go down the re-gifting avenue on this one. Barat Sundarason will join me in our next hour. I'll have a chat with Shyla Heal as well. So Shane the Hammer was ejected after two uh, technical fouls, or his second technical foul. And Shyla, I did a pre-recorded interview with her a little bit earlier this morning, said it's about the name. It wasn't about Dad. It's about the name. Didn't want to go too far into that <laughs> so i just thought you know it's typical hammer fired up and the and the refs will say you're out mate uh, but it appears that there might be a little bit more to it 0457 736 736 is my text line 1300 01 1170 on the open line if you'd like to pick up the phone and give us a call uh tim says it's not sandpaper gate gate doesn't mean scandal watergate is the name of a building sandpaper gate sounds moronic Love the show, can't stand that phrase. You know what, Tim? I'm with you. And I actually fall into the into the lazy category sometimes of rolling it out because it's been rolled out. But I'm with you on that one and love the fact that you love the show. Uh, always good to hear, says Martin. Daniel Garb's thoughts on football just now. A good point about the third-place match at the World Cup. Morocco will be keen to claim that title on Sunday morning. That makes the game a little more interesting than it normally would be. Yes. Do they have a market here for the third place in that matchup? I'll try and find that. I'm sure they do. I mean, obviously they do. If I was, if I was going to have a gamble responsibly bet, I'd be leaning towards Morocco. Have they got more to more to gain than Croatia in that one? Mm, that's a an interesting question. We'll ponder that in our next hour. Good morning to you. It's uh, December the 15th, Thursday. So 10 days until Christmas. Welcome to our listeners joining us on SENQ 693 Brizzy, 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Welcome back to those on 1170 AM in Sydney and wherever you're tuning in, of course, on the SEN app, our second last show together for the year. Still got a bit to do work-wise, including the BBL on uh, Friday night in Sydney when the Adelaide Strikers rock up to town to take on the Sydney Thunder. We are now two games in to the Big Bash season um, so far. And last night at the Adelaide Oval, the Strikers defeated the Sixers heavily. 51-run victory it was for the Strikers in that one. Tonight, the Brisbane Heat will play the Melbourne Renegades in Cairns. And, of course, the first test is not too far away from starting 
Saturday there at the Gabba. So I'll catch up with Barat Sundaresan very, very soon and get the latest on what's happening with both teams. He is in Brizzy and he'll be at training this morning, which starts in about an hour's time. So I'll uh, get his thoughts very, very soon. What have you made of the World Cup? So we're down to the final, folks. Argentina will play France after the French beat Morocco 2-0 this morning and it leads to a third-place playoff between Croatia and Morocco. So that one before we get to Monday morning's early start and Argentina v France. Messi against Mbappe. It's a tight one, it's a close one, and it's two heavyweights of the world game meeting in the biggest game um, at the World Cup final in Qatar. Are you interested, though, in this third-place playoff? Now, we've been having a discussion over the last hour over, A, whether it means anything, and we've discussed that with both Alex Bross the other day and Daniel Garb this morning. And now I'm starting to lean towards the fact that it, it means more, it could possibly mean more to the Moroccans than it does the Croatians. Croatians will be dirty about being there. So too will Morocco, obviously. But Morocco leave this tournament with an unexpected, if you like, medal. They've been the underdog story of the World Cup. And the third place playoff could be really interesting. Is it a long night beforehand for the Croatian team? Do they stay up playing poker? Do they, they kind of go, oh, let's just get this over and done with so we can get the heck out of here. We're not in the final. We don't want to be here. Morocco, in the other case, might be thinking, let's grab ourselves a, a bronze medal and head on home as a team that has already defied the odds. When it comes to the odds, Croatia are $2.25 and Morocco 3 bucks 10 Gamble responsibly. I'd be having a little look at the $3.10 on that one. Also this morning, do you think that the sandpaper issue um, all those years ago, do you reckon that would be a talking point out there when the teams clash out on the field? I mean, crossing the line is is an obvious one that nobody wants to see happening when it comes to cricket and sledging, and I, I'm glad that most of the sledging's essentially gone out of the game. Don't mind chirping, that's fine. Happens week in, week out from park cricket all the way through to test cricket. A little bit of chirping here, here and there, but you don't cross the line. Is sandpaper and all those years ago, because this is the first time that these two countries have met on the test arena, is it going too far or is it essentially fair game? Let me know your thoughts around that. And on that BBL match last night, join in on this discussion. Chris Lynn made his debut for the Adelaide Strikers. He was nervous Nelly, and he said that when they mic'd him up on the Fox commentary talking to Adam Gilchrist and co. And he actually threw it back at Gilly and he said, well, let me take it back to you. Were you nervous when you went out, when you went on out there and especially when you're making a debut, no matter what you've been doing? Gilly said, absolutely. Well, Chris Lynn ended up with 41 off 34 balls. Matt Short was the star of the night with 84. But the new era of Lynn's sanity down there in Adelaide was heralded in with the trumpeters or a trumpeter who was on top of the Adelaide Oval in the full... Uh, kid up, obviously harnessed on, and he let the trumpets go for an entrance for Chris Lynn, which goes down the, the avenue of what they do so well in American sports, and the New York Mets got this one absolutely right with Timmy Trumpet doing it for Edwin Diaz. So they've pinched the idea, which is fine, but here it comes. Chris Lynn comes out, and this is what unfolds. the field. It's Chris Lynn. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> what an entrance. What an entrance to your uh, first game for a new franchise. Unleash the bulls. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool stuff. So we posed the question this morning. Um, have you got an entrance song for a particular athlete or sporting team? And uh, Mark rolled out this morning, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith for Harry Kane. Um, there's been a couple around Tommy Trebojevic and the fact that his hamstrings gone a bit dodgy again. By the way, they're going to have scans today uh, there at the Seagulls for Tom Trebojevic. So no further update from the club this morning except for the fact that they're going to scan it today and see what happens. There's still 11 weeks before the start of the season. And as one of my listeners pointed out too, uh, the Seagulls have a bye in the second round. They've got the Bulldogs in round one and then a bye in the second round. So if he's going to miss round one, which I'm not sure if he is, but if he was going to miss round one, then you could roll it into another week there after that. So call it 13 weeks essentially by the time that if if they were putting a pencil around a date to come back, that could be a little bit of a blessing in disguise, so to speak. But they would want him back on the, pa- on the uh, park as soon as they could. So, Mark, before we move on, and Barat will join us very, very soon, have you got a, a thought, another thought around? Because you delivered Don't Want to Miss a Thing for Harry Kane, which is just nasty. I mean, just, I thought we were festive, but you oh, just sorry. got a nasty way. Well, okay, I had another one for Harry Kane, but I won't, I won't play that one, okay. man. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, instead, I've got one for uh, a theme song for Eddie Jones after he oh. has been... Uh, after he's been fired from the England job. So this is this is what I think Eddie Jones will be coming out to soon. Yes. I'm coming home, I'm coming home. <laughs> Tell the world I'm coming home. Yep. Eddie Jones. He's coming home. Could do. Could do. Isn't there... A, there's also talk of a massive American deal. Oh. He might be, he might be living in America. Oh, nice. Hey? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> He could be doing that. You never know. Yeah. Okay. Let me know. That's not a bad one. If yeah. he does come home, it's going to make for a fascinating scenario if the Wallabies or Rugby Australia are going to bring him in. And personally, I think they'd be mad not to look at it. And they are looking at it. But if they're going to bring him in, what, what does that mean? How does that operate under the current system? Now, let's look ahead to the first test. We tried to get this man yesterday, but he was jumping on planes. He is the international man of mystery. Barat Sundaresan joins us. The first test against South <laughs> Africa at the Gabba on Saturday. So the Aussies will be training. You'll be there with uh, phone perched behind the nets. What are you expecting? Good morning, mate. This is a... This is a good build-up, this one. It's it's starting to get some energy behind it. Absolutely, Matty. Uh, yeah, and I will be there. Uh, I think I'll, I'll be leaving the next 15, 20 minutes. Uh, they're training at Allen Borderfield today, not at the Gabba. The South Africans are at the Gabba, so um, I, I had to pick and choose between watching Australia train and South Africa train. I'll stick to the Australians for now. But you're right. I mean, there's been a lot of... Uh, Non-cricket talk as well. I mean, going back to what happened in 2018, which is which is kind of unfortunate. It's come to light with the whole David Warner leadership issue. Uh, but just if you just leave that aside, uh, cricketing-wise, it should be quite a battle. I mean, two of the best bowling attacks going around uh, in world cricket right now up against each other. Uh, and what a place to start that uh, that that contest, but at the Gabba. And and let's leave the leadership issue aside, but let's put the David Warner um, issue in front of us because he he needs runs, and there's no doubt about mm. it. So is this is this the 
The, the ultimate test here could well be because of the pace that's coming at him that wasn't there, uh, especially against the West Indies, and I'm talking the consistent pace that's coming. I mean, Rabada yeah. can go up above, uh, what, 150? And, you know, there's three or four bowlers there that can go at 140. And obviously there's, there's, there's concern about where David Warner's at in his career. And, and the ultimate test, I guess, when you're at this stage is against those super-quick yeah. bowlers because that will determine whether the hand, the eyes, the feet, whether everything's still in the place that he wants them to be. Oh, very much so. Uh, and But ironically, it could also bring out uh, the best in David Warner. I yeah. think if you see some of the ways he got out in, he was playing balls on where there wasn't much pace on it. Uh, he was chasing wide ones. And uh, it was almost like he was at some level trying to create a contest. Like you see his innings against West Indies. None of them were scratchy enough for him to get beaten a lot and then just get out. Uh, he was looking good and he's put more work into his batting this summer than I have seen in a long time. So he's in there in the net. He will be in the net today. He will be in the net tomorrow as well. Uh, and uh, the extra pace of South Africa and, and also the edge that a South African series brings out for him. I mean, let, we can't, uh, without even getting into the whole issue, uh, you know, he has a point to prove against South Africa. And oh, David Warner, who is in that mood when he has a point to prove, uh, is generally at his most dangerous. And, and, and from a cricketing sense, like I said, that, that extra pace and bounce could uh, well play into David Warner's hands because he's, he's batting well. His footwork's positive, like Steve Smith and Andrew McDonald have both told us. So there are some positive signs there. Sometimes those kind of innings, and I hope he gets runs. I really do. I hope he makes a statement um, because there, there's been a lot of stuff going on. Just just put it down to a personal yeah. level. There's been a lot of stuff going on. So I hope that he gets runs, and I think Australia hopes that he gets runs as well because there's something very unique about David Warner and has been the case. He's, he's box office stuff, you know. I, I reckon yeah. sometimes, Barat, and I wonder if you agree, if, if it is a scratchy score that he sticks around, that he has a couple of chances, a couple of lives out there. Sometimes those innings are, are more fascinating to watch than the beautifully fluent innings where everything goes right for them. I mean, if there's one thing that David Warner has stood for in his career, it's right, oh, you've got me in a corner and I'm going to box and bash and barge yeah. my way out of it. Oh, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think that was one thing like we discussed earlier that did not happen against the West Indies. Uh, and, and look, I mean, the, the fact is that, you know, he'll know more than anyone else that he needs a big score. He needs a score, uh, right, that he can really build the rest of his uh, test career, uh, what remains of it, uh, around. Uh, you know, tough tours coming up to India and England, but uh, they won't be as, uh, you know, the South African challenge will be as tough as, as, as those ones. And you're right, he's also been sort of unfortunate, right? I mean, you look at Manus Labuschagne at the other end uh, and the number of chances he gets and the, uh, credit to him that he makes the most of it. Every time it feels like David Warner has made a mistake, he's got out, which yeah. you know, batters go through phases like that. So you're right, he needs a couple of those inside edges just flying past his thumbs and then he gets into his innings and gets the big score. Look, big milestones coming up for him. He'll be playing his 100th test next week at the MCG and then a home test, uh, based on what he's saying, could well be his last home test So uh, at the SCG. So uh, that'll also kind of charge him to you know, produce something special this summer.
Form's a funny thing when you go to the selection table. Um, you know, obviously good form is going to put you at the top of the list on any selection discussion. But when you look at the form of Scotty Boland and Michael Nisa, both recent form plus the form at the Gabba, you, you, I mean, you can make a compelling argument for both of them. But it appears as though Andrew McDonald and the selection um, team and obviously Paddy Cummins have gone, let's strike while the iron's hot because Scott Boland is delivering exactly what we need right now. Yeah. Do you agree with the decision to go with him on that basis, I think, over Michael Nisa? Uh, personally, you would you know what I think of Michael Nisa yeah. and how long I've uh, been in charge of the hashtag Nisa Must Play campaign. And uh, I thought he should have played at the Gabba in 2021 when uh, Australia lost to India, if you remember. Uh, and then their fast bowlers looked pretty tired. Uh, but no, I mean, when you have someone like Scott Boland, hey, look, Michael Nisa is averaging 16.74 with the ball after two tests. But again, I mean, it's still no 10 with the ball after four tests, right? Like, or 10 apiece, like Scott Boland. And like we saw in that over that he produced against West Indies, three wickets in an over. And just in every other spell he bowled, I mean, he is at that next level, uh, isn't he? And even when he wasn't taking wickets, which came as a shock, he was literally not going for any runs. It was uh, quite quite something from Scott Boland. So, I mean, the, yeah, yeah, you're right. He is uh, Mr. Hot Hands now. There's no way you don't play him if there is an opportunity to play him. Yeah, they they had a pretty good... It's a good conversation to have, is what I'm saying. You know, I, do we go Boland? Do we go Nisa? Yeah. I mean, what what do we lose either way? And and on all on all fronts. I mean, they've got Michael Nisa's support, public led by you, and they've got Scotty Boland's um, support <laughs> yeah. out there in the nation as well. Just a just a final one, and this is a personal opinion. So if if they when they get out there on the weekend and the chirping starts, and I've been asking this to my listeners. In the, in the role of sledging in the game, and, and I think a lot of that is tempered back, thankfully, but in the role of having a chirp yeah. at your opposition, do you think that bringing up sandpaper and bringing up what happened last time they played is fair game? They won't, as long as they don't cross the line. So I'm taking that out of there. But do you think it's fair game to put on the yeah. table or is it something that the game just needs to move on from? Uh, I, mean, I think it's fair game, right? This is the first time Australia and South Africa are facing each other in a test series since since that, that episode. Uh, and if you are South Africa, you are going to try everything you can to get under the Australian skin. Uh, uh, but for just speaking to people in the know uh, of South African cricket, there is this belief that if Mark Boucher had stayed on as coach and just his personality mixed in with uh, Dean Elgar's personality, who is one of those guys who is always looking to get under your skin, there's this belief that maybe South Africa would have really played it up on the field. Uh, but the current management, the interim coach, is, uh, who's spent a lot of years as a domestic coach and with the South African setup, isn't learned to be uh, uh, someone who goes, goes in that direction. So maybe we won't see much of that. But hey, Dean Elgar, you'll find uh, the Australian public has seen him before. But he's one of those characters. Uh, you know, He's very gritty and not very aesthetically pleasing with the bat. But he's also one of those captains who will, uh, you know, do everything to to kind of rile the Australians up. 
Good on you, mate. Uh, you enjoy the test. I'll be keeping my eyes on your Twitter feed this afternoon, at BeastieBoy07, <laughs> because your camera work's terrific, by the way. You could get a job as a broadcast camo, you know, if you ever wanted to go down that way. But you'll be behind the nets and watching them come on through and have all the latest. Hey, I won't get to speak to you again before we re-engage in the new year. So you have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy the summer of cricket. Great calling, and thank you for everything that you do for this show. Um, I love chatting to you. You're a champion. So thanks, mate. Have a great Chrissy. No, oh, thank you so much, Matty. I, it's mutual, this love. And you have a great Christmas and a great New Year. And I'll see you and I'll talk to you in 2023. Will do. Bharat Sundarayson joining us as part of the SEN Test Cricket Commentary Team at BeastieBoy07 is the Twitter handle. You want to know what's going on in the nets at training? Uh, so he'll be at the Allen Border Field, the AB Field today for the Aussies and the South Africans will be there at the uh, Gabba. Kagiso Rabada took 37 wickets or has taken 37 wickets this year from 12 innings at an average of 21.97. He's a lightning bolt, um, and they've got quite a few of them. But, hey, let's look across to the Australian side. Got quite a few there too. Um, the best bowling lineup you can muster, and Scotty Boland will be there. I'll get to some of these texts. Uh, a lot of good chat around whether or not we should be talking about hamstrings this far out <laughs> this far out in the season. I'll put that into perspective after this. Steve from Waraknabil says, Is it a slow news day? Hammy watch three months before a whistle's blown. I can't believe I'm saying it, but Warner Talk is more interesting. <laughs> well, kind of is, Steve. And then Tim says, I was going to write in and say, Who cares about Tommy T's hamstring? It's cricket season. But then says, But dogs be manly round one. Now I care. Give him until round three to recover. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. I like it when self-interest, you know, just comes straight out to the fore on that one. And that's one of the great things about sport. Um, I did put it in perspective to say, look, we we don't know what's happening today. Oh, well, we do know, but scans are being taken today. Um, but this is a big story in rugby league, no doubt about it. But you're right, Steve. It's a long time out. And that's what I pointed out. There are 11 weeks, 79 days until the start of the season. On March 4, and as uh, Tim says, the Bulldogs are their first opponents in round one. They've got a bye in the second week. Now, here's the thing. Since he first injured his hamstring, his first injury back in 2019, it's the fifth hamstring injury in three years. Um, but if you go back to the first one, since then, Turbo's played 44 out of 97 possible games for the Seagulls. So essentially operating at half capacity under half capacity there in terms of how many he could have played. And without him, Manly win just 33% of their games. So that's the reason why there is focus around this. You're, you're right. We, we don't like to get into the nitty-gritty of, hey, such and such has got a hamstring, such and such broke a nail. I mean, that's starting to get a little bit into the minutiae. But when it comes to Tom Trebojevic, it makes a story. And it's worth watching purely on the perspective of what it means to the club. What it means under Anthony Seabold's new watch there at uh, the Seagulls. And he'll be sweating bullets this morning, hoping that the scans come back in the positive. Um, the water talk's more interesting, says Steve. Well, look, on the I think on the field, in terms of runs, it certainly is. I think, the, like I said the other day, the leadership thing's done. It's gone. Forget about it. And after all of that that went on, the bloke who got the fire extinguisher onto the leadership issue was Dave Warner himself and his family. We've had enough. Done. Pulling out. 
So that one's over. 2018's not done and forgotten. And that will be raised out there at some stage, you'd reckon. So what really interests me in that storyline is now back to the pure sporting part of it. Davey Warner opens the batting, goes out there. Does he get the runs that's needed? Does he turn it around? I mean, it's an opportunity to be an up yours, all that kind of stuff, yes. But as a pure competitor, he will want runs against South Africa. And as pure sporting fans and cricket fans, I reckon that's what you want to see. And I said this yesterday, and if it happens, let's hit the slow-mo replay and play it over and over. But his, oh, what a feeling jump, if he gets to a century, (laughs) could set new records. Uh, He might have a new career. Matty, Morocco were all over France this morning, says, Matt, that scoreline was very misleading. I think Argentina are specials in the World Cup final. At the moment, the French are marginally favourites with the bookies. Here's the news with Vanessa, then back with more of your texts and calls and guests still coming up on the morning show. Thanks, Vanessa. Here's a good text from Joel, which adds perspective two to the World Cup. Matty, love the show and enjoy the banter. Thank you, Joel. The Argentina v France final will highlight the achievement of Australian football at this World Cup, and it should be noted how close we came to upsetting the now finalists. Nice point. Thank you, Joel. Good to see a uh, a positive spin on that one. Matty, if South Africa don't sledge within reason, of course, they're not doing their job properly, says Jay from Blacktown. And on sandpaper again, the South African says the Bexley Dragon 100% will go there, and they should. It's not attacking partners or family or girlfriends, etc., but they'd be mad not to. So two two votes there for in favour of going down the sandpaper, sledging or chirping away. Again, if it's if it's not crossing the line, then it's okay. This one from Ed Womble on our Twitter feed, at Matty White SEN. Sandpaper's open and fair for the South Africans to mention during the test series. I'd like the South Africans to mention stores like Bunnings and types of sandpaper available. Hope the stump mic is switched on while Warner and Smith are batting. <laughs> well, I, I wonder if they, you know, do you practice any of that sledging? Or do you just go out there? I, I get. I have a feeling that they could. You could go the old reverse psychology here and just not say a thing about it. And if you're out there as a batter, you're going, okay. When are they going to start giving it to me? And they don't. Sometimes that silence might even unsettle them even more. Um, you'd want to just concentrate on the fact of trying to remove batsmen like Steve Smith in particular with the amount of runs that he's getting. Marnus Labuschagne, obviously, with the amount of runs that he's getting. And Davey Warner will be under pressure for a whole stack of reasons. Let's get some coins on the table and see what Tommy wants to buy into this morning. Morning, morning, Matty. Morning, Matty, Mark and listeners. Matty, that was a perfect segue. It's like you can read my mind because speaking mm. about silence, my entrance song is... Any time now? Oh. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. Sound Simon of silence. Now, Matty, just have a little think. Who could this be in regards to a team, a person, a sport? The sound of silence. The sound of silence. Okay, okay. We've been I'm speaking about work, it a lot the last yeah, few days. Work with me here because I, I can see where you're going, but I'm starting to wonder whether it's whether it's one road or another. So okay. I think I think you might be going down the road of this is what 
the sound will be once the spectators walk out of the A-League matches across the weekend. Am I Ding, am ding. I right? That's a big tick. Oh, That's what we're looking go. at. The A-League crowds this weekend. The sound of silence. They're usually passionate, rambunctious uh, sword with all their chants and crowds and whatnot. But um, sound of silence, I believe, at the 20th minute mark. A lot of fans are going to be leaving their stadiums. And you hey, know good, what, Matty? Hey, they got a chance to protest. On. Go all for it. Yeah, good use of the word rambunctious there. Thank you. Rambunctious is a word that uh, you've rolled out a couple, you know, at the back end of this, <laughs> the back end of this season for the morning show. Your use of brace was good. Um, rambunctious. Well, there you go, there you go listeners. Use rambunctious in a sentence. The best one gets a signet boost power bank for today. There's my <laughs> Christmas gift. Send in the text. Okay, the word rambunctious. Um, all right, so, okay, let, let's try and unpack this this scenario here. Does it serve the purpose to walk out on the 20th minute to, to make their statement clear? Have they not made their statement very, very clear already? Is the statement not already made that the fans don't want this grand final? Yes, but I think in a in a way where not just the APL but the majority of sporting fans across the country can see what their kind of key thoughts are about this decision is to protest. And Maddie, I mean, I've got no problem with them doing that. They've got a voice. They want to share it. They want to make a statement about what they feel like they've been robbed of or what they feel like they're a bit pissed off about. And yeah. that's the best way in that in they think they can get their message and their voice across. I've got no problem with it. Yeah, people say, oh, it's a bit silly because you paid tickets. Well, guess what? It's their money. They bought the tickets. They can do whatever they want. If they want to leave, if they want to stay, that's, they're not forcing anyone else to do it. They're saying if you want to join join in our message with us and leave at the 20th minute mark and send a statement to Danny Townsend, to the APL, to the clubs that signed off on that decision, then join us. And if you don't, that's fine. Sit here and watch the game. Mm. Well, I, I'm thinking that the fans who are going to turn around and walk out, and it won't be all of them, are all the fans that have already said what they what they want to say, which is we don't want this to happen. So I don't know what further they're going to achieve by walking out on their players in their club. And, I mean, essentially they're going to make the game look even sillier. So I, I don't know what it achieves. I, I'm with you. Everyone's got the right to protest, no doubt about it. It'll make a statement, yeah. It'll make the news, yep. What's it going to change? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, think I, I cannot I, see I, I a walkout. I think they're supporting their team and protesting the league. Well, I saw an interview from Marco, Marco Tilio the other day saying, you know, as, as, as players, we want to play in front of our fans and we want to deliver for our fans as well. So I, I don't know what you're doing for supporting your, your players in that sense. I mean, if they really want to make a statement, the players should just stop playing if, if they're all against it as well. But they can't do that. So... I understand everyone's right to go on protest and I understand that everyone doesn't want this and I totally get that, 100% get that. And everyone should have the right to protest. And they will. I don't know what it achieves. I really don't. Because the people who are going to walk out have already made it absolutely 100% clear that they don't want it. What does it achieve thereafter? What, we don't want it even more? (laughs) We're now telling you what we've already told you. So it's going to be an interesting one. It'll be fascinating to see what it does. It'll be very it interesting viewing because it's, you've got the Melbourne Derby this weekend, which... Well, it won't be interesting viewing. It'll be bloody boring, mate. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The it'll Melbourne Derby earlier in the season got 24,000 fans. Now, <clears> it's going to be interesting to see if, I don't know, half of those fans walk out. 
Let me tell you, if fans walking out is the interesting part of viewing for the A-League, the A-League's got bigger troubles I'm than having a I'm not saying it's the most interesting, but, but you can't say watching 10,000 fans get up and walk out of the stadium at the same time in unison, protesting about something that the league d- decided to do is not sending a message or it's not at least a bit interesting. I'm not saying it's the most interesting part. I'm saying that every news story around the, every news headline, it's going to be about that. When it talks about the A-League, whether you like it or not, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, Good public, any publicity is good publicity. That's what they're doing. They're sending their message. The sounds of silence. So they're going to. You think you think we should play that over the over the loudspeakers as they walk out? I like it. Yeah. Speaking of uh, um, you, sound you of silence, Matty. Yes. Uh, Brookvale Oval next year when Tom Trebojevic isn't playing oh. for half of the oh. season, as he has for the last four years. I mean, seriously, Matty. I said at the start of the 2022 NRL season, there's only three players in the NRL. It's maybe gone a little bit further than that, but I haven't decided in the NRL that I would pay more than $1 million a year. That was Nathan Cleary, Cameron Munster, and James Tedesco. And everyone said, what about Tom Trebojevic? He just statistically had one of the greatest seasons in rugby league NRL history. Uh, he led his team to a prelim final, makes, team, makes players around him better. Look at Ruben Garrick. Look at Brad Harper. Look at what he does for Josh Schuster, for all these other players. The bloke can't stay on the field, and this is not a crack at Tom Trebojevic. This is a crack at some of the officials at Manly Seagulls who have decided to pay him that money. I, re- I relayed this message to Jimmy Smith this morning. He said on The Breakfast Show, this is said time and time and again, it's, it was made famous in the NFL. Your best ability is your availability. And Tom Dravojic in the last four years has shown that he can't stay on the field. Now, if I'm the Manly Seagulls, if I'm an official, if I'm Tony Mestrov, if I'm the head of football, and I'm investing more than a million dollars into Tom Dravojic, and I well, that more deal than was a... there. That, that, that's a moot argument because the deal was there. That deal was paid. It was locked in. I know it was locked the in. Current and... administration and before those and before you know any of this happened. And so guess, and guess they've, what? They've and made I'm having their a... bed. They're going to have to sleep in it, which is the fact that they've paid that money for Tom Trebojevic. So you can't backtrack on what you've paid a player because of his injury status. That's just daft. I tell you what. With it, I tell you, but he's what twenty six, turning twenty seven next year. His next deal. I'm not paying him that much money. There is no way I'm paying him that much money. Even if well, he wins, even, even if he wins another Dalian medal, there is no way. I'm sorry, Tom. You're not. You're not getting paid that much money because you've That's shown for the past deal. four years you cannot stay on the field. Well, you're talking about a current deal that's in place, and that's what you get when you pay players. You are paying them with the risk knowing that there is the possibility of injury. So there's there's no there's no point trying to talk about undoing a current deal that he's in because he's not on the field. That's got nothing to do with it. Um, the next cycle, yeah, it does. Berkeley Eagle says Tommy is way too rambunctious about those damn <laughs> those damn roosters. That's good use. This is good that roost. is good. Matty, I just asked you this: are you, as a Manly fan, are you confident in Tom Dravojevic staying on the field for half a season, twelve games, half a season? Are you confident? Uh, ask me when the scans come back today. Because guess what? He's getting paid $1.1 million, $1.2 million. I'm just Tom. telling you, Matty. Until the, until the end. what he's getting well, paid It does right matter. Now. It does matter. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter right it now. Does because because it does because it impacts you, you your salary cap moving. I'm not saying they have to undo it. I'm saying it, it's impactful because it impacts the other players that you can recruit around the league. When you've got money sewn up in Daly Cherry Evans as well, over a million dollars, and you've got Jake Trebojevic getting paid up to seven fifty, eight hundred thousand dollars When you've got a guy pay, getting paid a million dollars and he's not on the field, that's important. And he's going to be paid that until the end of the 2026 NRL season when he's entering his 30s. Which is when 
that next deal becomes important. When his fitness and all that kind of stuff, in terms of money, you're so hung up about the money thing, you can't do anything until the next deal's on the table. 0457 736 736. Let me know your thoughts on that back after this. Andrew from Newcastle says, I'm happy to spend a million dollars on Turbo. Hasn't missed a game in 2023 yet. He's a joy to watch. Without him, Manly can't win a comp. Six to eight other clubs would pay the same. Berkeley Eagle says, if Manly don't pay Turbo that big money, then some other club will. Uh, Thank you for that. Let's talk WNBL right now. The Sydney Flames went down to the Bendigo Spirit uh, last night, and the Bendigo Spirit remain unbeaten in the competition. They play the Melbourne Boomers tomorrow on the line. From the Flames is Shyla Hill. Good morning, Shyla. Matt, thanks for having me. Thank you for your time. Uh, a loss last night to the Bendigo Spirit, who remain undefeated. So how close did you get? How, how close do you think you are to the league leaders at the moment in that 85-75 loss? We are extremely close. The 10-point um, difference doesn't even explain the justice that we were... We were down by two with two minutes left, um, but we we can really be any team in the league, and the whole team knows that. Um, we just have to stick with it for four quarters, and um, we'll be fine. But we, we aren't lacking confidence. We believe in ourselves, and we'll start making a streak as we go along. Where have you got to make up the difference to, to get over the top of teams like the Spirit? Uh, it will come from our defence in our second half great defense but we lacked on the off- offensive boards defensive boards and that's what really stopped us um but they did make really tough shots down the stretch with a carried hand so those are the type of shots we can't do anything about um and yeah just have to live with it so straight back to work now are you going to give your old man a bit of lip because uh, he got kicked out last night so a second technical foul did you look around and say oh, he's done it again i mean he's he's gone again uh that was that was entirely the ref's fault. Uh, he didn't say anything. So uh, nice. You know, you're sticking up. You're sticking up for him. That's what I like to hear. So what happened? Tell me what happened. I can't go too in depth, but let's just say some people can hate on the last name. Um, it's going to be haters everywhere, and that's all right. We live with it. Um, our girls did a really good job sticking together, and um, yeah, that's definitely not Dad's fault. Ah, good. I, I like the fact that you're in his corner as well. Okay, I'm going to dig a bit deeper on that one. So, one and six to start this year. You're averaging 15 points. Where are you at with your game, and how do you turn the one and six record around? Yeah, individually, scratching the surface, I haven't even really played great basketball yet. So, I'm really looking to get my teammates involved, get my assists up, and um, start scoring a bit more too, and hopefully lead the team to some wins. But, um, yeah, I'm feeling really confident. We've played the undefeated team three times in our first seven games, so it'll be good to play some other teams and get some wins. Talk to me about your teammates, Shyla. Who's, who's, um, who's the real performer in the team? I'm, I'm talking off the court. Who's the real character in your team, the, the chief energy officer? That's definitely be Chiana. She's the character in our team. She spreads real good vibes. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate her character, that's for sure. She's a... She's a clown. <laughs> Good one. And the Boomers, so they're second on the ladder as well. So back-to-back difficult task for you. Um, what's the approach to this one? Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have a video. We'll look at the positives from the Bendigo game and then we'll do some scout and um, really lock in. I mean, we'll definitely be the underdogs, but we're coming in with so much confidence. We got so close to the undefeated team and no one really believes in us. But in our group, 
we believe in each other and we believe that we can beat any team in the league. So uh, we're feeling good and, um, yeah, we can't wait for tomorrow. Best of luck. I love the positivity. Thanks for your time this morning. Go get them tomorrow night. Thank you. Welcome back to the program. Laurie Horish will join us in our next hour. We'll break down what's uh, happening in the NFL at the moment. Some very interesting storylines around the quarterbacks in particular, and that's always the focal point, including uh, the bloke known as Mr. Irrelevant. So uh, Brock Purdy, who was part of that engineering of a 35-7 defeat over Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Meanwhile, the Cardinals will be without their star quarterback for the rest of the season as we head towards week 15. So Laurie will join us around that one as well. 0457 736 736. We're going to have some fun in our next hour with uh, these theme songs for your favourite sporting athlete or sporting team. What do you think they should come out to and what does it represent? Um, Murray has doubled down on some of the discussions that we've been having. Matt, the best song to sum up Des Hasler's rambunctious exit from Manly, <laughs> good use, is the Isaac Hayes classic Shaft. So you've rolled the term bank- rambunctious into a song there. Nice work, Murray. Like what you're doing with that one. Unfortunately, Rugby League says Jason is also a business. And having Turbo signed for the next four years will no doubt sell plenty more jerseys and memberships than using his salary to pay for a couple of no-name centres and a lock. He only needs one of his next four seasons to be like 2021, and all his salary goes back into Manly's bank. Uh, Thank you for that, Jason. Matt, give me a break. Would those living south of the border walk out of the City v Victory game if Melbourne had have gained the A-League Grand Final for three years? No way in the world, says Bulldog Bob. They still have the demented view that they are the sporting capital of the world, self-proclaimed in brackets, and are entitled to every sporting event in the country. Grow up, whingers. Um, look, it's taking a, a very narrow look at this whole issue because I think Bulldog Bob, is, as much as we want to point the finger here, there or anywhere, the fact is that all fans across the board, from all states and all clubs, have said no. Very hard to find somebody who said, yeah, this is a good idea. We'll break. We'll do the news. Back for the final hour. I've got a statement from the Western Sydney Wanderers around this decision to uh, award the next three A-League Grand Finals to Sydney. I'll get to that in just a second. I want to go straight to the open line first up. We can continue to talk rugby league, but it's a, it's a pretty big statement. A very big statement, in fact. Tommy Trebojevic has um, come to the top of our list and 2am Tommy is really fired up about it and the injury that could possibly, could possibly sideline him, but they're going to have scans today. James from Hornsby, you're on the line. Good morning to you. Morning, Matty. Um, regarding oh, everyone saying, oh, is t- Tommy Trebojevic, you know, is he worth it or is Tedesco better, more money and that? You guys have got the knowledge and the research and all the facts. Why don't you look up and work out their salary per minute? How much they actually play per minutes on the ground? That way then you can actually get a better set of games how many minutes they're on and see who who tops the ladder there. Ooh, that would okay. be a bit more interesting, I okay. think. Do you know what I and like the, the most one, about that? Um, Can I just, just before you keep going, you know what I like the most about that, James, is that you've just created a massive statistical headache and a lot of work for 2am Tommy. So he's now going to spend the rest of the show with his head down and his laptop, which is good for us. Right, good point. What are you, what would you like? What's right. your other point? Well, I like 
I'm glad for that. He stole away, uh, found a silence from me. My other song would be uh, for Tommy Tavoyevich, would be um, they could play um, Britney Spears song for him when he came out and sat on the bench and they could just play Oops, I Did It Again. <laughs> oh, dear. Nice work, mate. You've, you've uh, hit a home run on both fronts on that one. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for calling in. Oops, I did it again. I mean, it just must have been, ugh, must have just been awful. You know, how many times does that happen? Uh, think of it across. I mean, take away the name here, take away the money, take away all that kind of stuff. Let's just focus on the, the person who's involved in this and everything that goes with it. Oh, I've done that again. You know, it's like the the cricketer who um, breaks his finger and then comes out after it's been healed and gets hit what right in the finger. I mean, it's it's Murphy's Law, isn't it? We all know. Let me read you this statement from the Western Sydney Wanderers, and I'll, I'll paraphrase. Well, I'll try and chop it down as much as I can, but it starts by saying that we, as in the Western Sydney Wanderers, acknowledge and understand the frustration and disappointment that many of you feel around the recent announcement about the grand finals. As a club who's played many of its biggest matches at away venues, these moments shared by those at the match and back home in our community are cherished and will forever be etched in our memories. No matter where we've played, the red and black faithful have always made us feel like we're at home. However, the commercial reality for football in this country is still precarious. We've just experienced two of the worst years in the history of football due to the impacts of COVID-19. This unprecedented global event has affected our community as a whole and decimated the livelihood of professional football clubs. This grand final agreement creates a necessary step towards ensuring our game has a sustainable future. The APL board decision is for the benefit of every league in the club, say the Western Sydney Wanderers. We believe our members and fans are the lifeblood of our club and always will be. With that understanding comes a greater responsibility to ensure the long-term viability of the sport we all love so everyone can enjoy it and see it thrive for years to come. So some pretty strong backing there from the Western Sydney Wanderers for this decision by the APL to award Sydney the grand finals for the next three years and in doing so allow them to top up their bank balance. The grand final agreement, they say, creates a necessary step towards a sustainable future. And importantly, they say the APL board decision is for the benefit of every club in the league. So they're coming out and saying exactly, obviously, what the APL would love to hear. But let's let's be frank about this. There's clearly been no control over that from the APL because almost everybody else has come out the other way. In fact, the Perth Glory said, we didn't even know it was happening. It just happened. And that was from the owner and the chairman of the club. So in terms of if you look at this and go, well, hang on, this is you know, a bit of propaganda coming out in support of this. Well, I don't agree with that. And I'm not certainly saying that at all. I'm saying that this is the Western Sydney Wanderers taking a view and expressing that today that goes against the view of the majority of fans and some of the clubs, most of the clubs that they play with and against in the A-League. But they've taken a bigger picture on this. So they've pointed out that the commercial reality for football is precarious and the COVID-19 has played a massive part on it. The agreement helps the league look towards a sustainable future and the board decision is for the benefit of every club in the league.
What do you think of that? I think good on them for standing in what they believe and making that public statement. Because it's very easy, especially with all the passion and emotion around, it's very, very easy to come out and say anything that will upset everybody. And we know the position of most of the fans. We know the position of most of the clubs. And we know the position of the A-League, which is we're going ahead with this and this is the reason why. And this is the kind of backing, I guess, that the APL should have garnered, I, I believe, before they made this statement. I don't mind the fact that it's come out organically, but if you're looking to have your time over again with the announcement of this decision and the approach to which they took the decision both at board level and then throughout club land and then throughout fan land, then it wouldn't have hurt having at least the backing of one club publicly to say something like this when all this came out. So the Western Sydney Wanderers, 100% behind it. Are there fans 100% behind it? Not sure. Not sure about that. What do you think of that? 0457 736 736 is the text line number or 1300 01 1170. Um, the Mad Dog from Alexandria says, I really don't see what the problem is with the grand final. It's been the same for NRL and the AFL for years. We've discussed that at length, Mad Dog. Um, this is something that is unique to the A-League in particular. BBL also does it, but it has been unique to the A-League in particular. And, it stirred up a heck of a lot of emotion for fans. A heck of a lot. But here we have finally one club coming out publicly and saying we're with it. And we're with it for the crossover effect that it has for the games. Important to note that the chairman of the APL is also the chairman of the Wanderers, Paul Lederer. So there is a statement there that has a crossover quite clearly. But you're putting your club out there saying that we support it. And that's a very important point to note. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. All righty, let's talk NFL. We're at a pretty amazing stage, I reckon, of the season. Week 15 is ahead of us. Laurie Horish from ESPN is on the line to chat all things NFL. G'day, Laurie. Thanks for your time. Great to be joining you. Some great stories around the NFL at the moment. Can we start with one that I touched on with Benny Graham earlier in the week? Brock Purdy, um, the 49ers quarterback, obviously off the back of that big win over the Buccaneers. He's a wonderful story, Mr. Irrelevant. A charming title to come into the league with, with, isn't it? Glowing with all sorts of hype and praise to be Mr. Irrelevant. But it's, look, it's, it's something that's been handed down to draft pick upon draft pick that finds himself with the last name called um, in each draft class. And for, for Brock Purdy, it's different when it's a quarterback because quarterbacks do carry this extra kind of aura or energy or uh, and sometimes ego around them. For him, he's clearly a confident young player. You saw that when he, uh, in his most recent outing in the in the absolute slapping that the uh, smackdown that we saw from the um, 49ers handing down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When he ran into that touchdown, you saw that energy burst out of him. You can see the game um, is something that um, we're in that moment. You forget that you're the 262nd overall pick in an NFL draft. You forget where you landed. You forget that you don't have the kind of the hype and pedigree that surrounds someone picked in the top 10 or first overall, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. And that team becomes yours for a moment there. That's the nature of the position. That is why it's so vital. It's why it's so scrutinized. It's why it's so analyzed. And for Brock Purdy, he's playing with more clarity and composure than you might expect with someone coming in so raw at this point of their career. But a credit to not just him, but 
that offensive system that Kyle Shanahan runs there in the Bay, and not to mention the litany of offensive talent surrounding him, the likes of Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel's injured now, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Um, there's plenty for young Purdy to work with. And mm. look, it, it's easy for people to then start saying, hey, you know, he was up against Tom Brady, and we know Tom Brady was picked, you know, six-round draft pick. Could he be the next-generation version? Not so much that, but look, there's been six quarterbacks, six quarterbacks that have gone up um, against uh, Tom Brady or six previous quarterbacks that have gone up against Tom Brady in their first career start. And he's the only one to take away a victory there. Um, so uh, certainly notable for young Mr. young Mr. Purdy. And one heck of a victory as well, 35 points to seven. Where does that loss leave the Buccaneers? They're now six and seven, but where does it leave them in the conversation for the season? I think in terms of a threat to win the NFC, I don't think you can consider them a serious contender at all. They haven't strung consistent performances together despite the talent they have on defense, despite the big names that are on offense outside of just Tom Brady. Think about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, there's not a clear solution coming back that's going to spark them to life. Luckily for them, they are in the NFC South, the worst division in football, where a losing record could very much still book you, uh, could win you the NFC Divisional title and book you a spot in the playoffs and a home playoff game week one. We could see a team like Tampa Bay hosting a team like the Dallas Cowboys in week one um, of the playoffs. In saying that, they're not alone down there in the NFC South. Teams like the Carolina Panthers, which sounds ridiculous to say given the tumultuous season they've had, We've seen coaching staff changes, quarterbacks in, out, gone, traded, arrived. And now we've got Sam Darnold once again given reins at the helm, starting quarterback. And he's, look, I, as someone who thought Sam Darnold had an amazing amount of potential coming into the league and fell, fell in love um, with his talent at USC, it didn't pan out. If he plays more responsible football, which we've seen the last couple of weeks, there are pieces on that defense to cause uh, disruption. Uh, and the offensive line he's playing behind is better than the last time he had a shot at this position with Carolina. It's gelled more. The young talent has come on more. They're one game back. Um, we've got divisional contests still to play out um, over the final four weeks of the season. They could find themselves out of absolutely nowhere. A team like them or a team like the Atlanta Falcons that have been gutsy, if not spectacular this season. There's no guarantee that it's Tom Brady uh, and the Bucks just because of their pedigree that take out that divisional run. And the Cardinals are going to be without Kyler Murray. So uh, a torn ACL. So he's gone for the season. That's a, a big loss to them, and he's a big money player. So what was he looking at? Close to $40 million next year and 51 and apl- and above in the following year. So what happens there? I mean, look, his, his contract, I mean, this is someone who signed, recently has signed um, one of those big money contracts, as you mentioned, that's north of $40 million a year. There's guarantees that tie into all of that. I think the bigger reality... I. I Kyler Murray is still an asset. Injured or not, he is still the key asset um, that that roster, that the the Cardinals have there. The the bigger conversation, I think, is going to be about who is going to be in charge of that roster. Could we see a change of the general manager position uh, with Steve Kime? And really, right at the front here, Cliff Kingsbury, head coach. I think you could almost see the energy. Um, You could see the the tension that existed in him on the sideline during that game, particularly after, obviously, after that injury. Um, I think his time as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals is going to come to a close. Seen as kind of a, a, one of the progressive, new age, um, explosive offensive minds to come into the league, how he got his um, head coaching opportunity in the NFL, but it's never really clicked with consistency there. When the Cardinals have been at their best, it really was when Kyler Murray was just going, I'm going to go freewheeling here and make some stuff up with my ridiculous mobility, my arm strength. Um, Kyler 
it, at times, you know, analysts would look at it and say, I'm not sure what the drawn-up play here was. I'm not sure how they're getting back into this game. I think it's just time for Kyler to say, and I won't uh, use the full phrase on air, but effort, I'm going to go Kyler mode here and start making stuff happen. Draw it up in the <laughs> sand, if you will. So I think that's the big conversation, but Kyler, I imagine, will still be part of the picture going forward in, uh, in Arizona. All right, the standout game for the week ahead, do you reckon it's the Dolphins v Bills? i tell you what, those two teams, it, it's fascinating because at times this has been, you could have taken a straw poll at any given week in the season and people would say the Dolphins and the Bills, the two most explosive offences in particular in the NFL with the talent they have there, but they've both been less than spectacular lately. The Bills were able to keep um, some winning momentum throughout that, but as you've seen for the Dolphins, it's been a little struggle. They've hit two in a row and I think it's fascinating to see because the challenge is now laid down to Miami. How do you counterpunch? People seem to be taking away parts of the field that you were dominating in. Not to get too into the weeds of the X's and O's, but with the, the, the thing that jumps off the screen with the Dolphins is speed. Speed, 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 speed. Particularly with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle at the wide receiver position. What they did with that is they scared you. So, so frightened were defenses about the speed that they played with kind of a really soft, kind of big defensive cushion. They, they hung back. They really didn't want to get beaten over the top. So it opens up the middle of the field to a tongue of Iloa and the receivers. And Mike McDaniel, the coach, said, right, that's where we're going. This is the game plan. We're going to hit this kind of soft center, almost a soft underbelly um, of the defense over and over and over. Defenses have adapted. What's the counterpunch? And the Bills are a fascinating team to try and pull that off against. Talented defense has plenty of high-performing players. But yeah, for me, that one certainly stands out. But this year, this week 15 might be my favorite week of the season. You look across the board... It starts with the Seahawks 49ers, Bills, Dolphins, Bears, Eagles. We see what stage the Eagles take on. The Jets, Lions is a cracker. Cowboys and Jaguars, if the Cowboys play like they did against the Titans, the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, with the level he's playing, they could knock them off in a heartbeat. No, no, no questions there. Saints, Falcons, divisional matchup because Buccaneers, Bengals, Chargers, Titans. This is a, a hugely, hugely decisive week. There's about seven or eight contests across the board. Commanders, Giants going against each other as well in that wild card race in the NFC. Divisional rivals. This is going to set the course for almost half the half the wild card spots, if not more. It's a fascinating, fascinating week. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Laurie. Always great talking to you. Uh, let's get to some of these text messages. As John says, and I did point this out off the back of the statement that I read from the Western Sydney Wanderers, that's because, Matty, the same man who's the head honcho at the APL is the head honcho at the Wanderers. Uh, there's no independence. They're not brave. It's the same hopeless administrator driving all of this. Wanderers fans have been calling for his resignation for years. Wow, what a surprise, uh, says another texter. Old man, long hair, he says. Uh, that's his name. But wow, what a surprise. A Sydney club with Sydney fans supports a Sydney final. Fans don't have to travel far if they make it. I could imagine what they'd say if it had ended up in Melbourne or Brisbane from old man, long hair on the text line. Given the level of distress over this decision, you'd think this was a permanent decision, not just for three years. Are the fans who are so upset not planning to be there after the three years? Asks Ursula. Um, thank you for those thoughts off the back of that statement. So, yeah, Western Sydney Wanderers coming out in support, obviously. Uh, what is it now, Thursday? When was that story first broken? Monday? Let's start on Monday? Yeah. Um, so we waited until Thursday to get the voice of support from the Wanderers, whose chairman is the chairman of the APL. Um, drips and drops, the way that it's 
been filtered through this one. As in, I don't think they thought it through, to be brutally honest. They, they knew that the blowback was coming, but gee, if they thought that they were um, going to face something, they should have had a bit of crisis management in place. Does it make a difference to the decision? No. Does it make a difference to the professionalism of the league? Yes, it does. I think you could have thought this one through a little bit better. Your approach to it, your understand, your your reasoning why behind it, and your explanation to the fans. All of that could have been done better. However, I don't think the the blowback could have been avoided, and certainly not to the manner with which we've seen because of the passion, and they just don't like it. Are the reptiles on the line? One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Hello, reptile. Morning, Shagger. How are you? Merry Christmas. And to you too, mate. Nice to hear from you on the phone. Yeah, don't normally text, but around. I thought this needs to be treated other than a text. People saying that it's all all okay for South Africa to sleep. I say they should keep their big mouths shut after what they did four years ago. And all of Australians forgot what they did. But imagine if this was your wife. South African cricket... Their board was handing out masks of Sonny Bill Williams at the grounds, mm. at every ground. They moved the All Blacks into the same hotel as the Australian cricket team. Like, that's not okay. And they were saying things like, where's your wife, Sonny? Uh, where's your wife, Warner? Sonny Bill's playing yeah, across yeah. the road. You know, like, yeah. that's not on. And that was way past the mark. And everybody in Australia is so quick to hammer our team over the... Sam Baber, these guys, their own cricket board took it to a whole new level. So do you reckon when they get out there, Reptile, you reckon that, that any sledging around what happened in 2018? Because let's not forget, if if you're going to go both ways, then the Australians could fire back. So do you reckon that any sledging around what happened with 2018 should be off the table? Or or do you reckon that it's that it is fair game? And let's put it fair game both sides to some of the points that you've just you've just mentioned? Um, if it's both ways, okay, but there's not much they can fire back about because they could, it's mainly the, their cricket board that took the dirty the dirty work for them. So I reckon everything 2018, let's forget it happened, move on, um, sniff your car back or whatever. Say that. Like, <laughs> were you shadow cricketing too late last night, were you? You know, like, that, that, like I say, I... I I get upset with people always hammering Warren and the Australian cricket team about 2018, but imagine if that was your wife. You would go to 10 degrees to get them back. That was disgusting. Yeah, and that yeah, was a I, I that agree. was a national board. Yeah, I agree with that. But and and the issues, you know, there, there are so many different kind of issues to look at. But there there is a point, isn't there, where you've where you're right. You you've got to move on. You've absolutely got to move on, which we've got to do. Nice to hear from you, Reptile. Thanks for phoning in, mate. And I appreciate those thoughts. We've got to get ourselves to the newsroom. Uh, a couple of thoughts around. Oh, just a quick one from McHugh. So Tommy got straight on it. The Signet Power Bank. Um, we just sent you one. I mean, you've been begging us, McHugh, absolutely begging us. So for the back and forth, for the banter, um, off we did, off we went and sent you one out. So uh, thank you for your note of thanks on that as well. Here's the news. He said, there's nothing in this except for a goal. Classic Christmas cheers from Tony. 
Thank you, Tony. I note that Cricket Australia report out that Cricket Australia has given the media companies until this afternoon to submit their final bids for the rights. Now, the reports are that Paramount, which owns Network 10 in this country, has offered $1.5 billion for the rights to everything, basically. Test matches, one day as Big Bash over the next seven years. So $1.5 billion over seven years, and that figure sits above, apparently, the figure put down by Channel 7 and Fox. So seven combining with Fox, as per the deal that they've got now, which is the free-to-air slash subscription component. Network 10 has the free-to-air and subscription component underneath their own banner of Paramount. So they've got Paramount Plus, obviously, and the free-to-airs on that. So it's understood that that bid exceeds those from Seven and Fox, and the incumbents are arguing that they can offer greater promotional coverage for the sport, which is true. Seven have more eyeballs than Network 10's free-to-air, much more coverage, and Fox obviously has the backing of News Limited and everything that goes with it. Channel 10 would have the free-to-air component, as I mentioned, and the backing of Paramount+. Plus. What that means in the Australian market at the moment is a streaming platform. And everyone keeps saying that uh, Paramount are pl- uh, cashed up, and they are. How much money are they going to spend for something for Channel 10's coverage and therefore their streaming platform? Well, at the moment, it's saying $1.5 billion. So there's reports that representatives of Seven, Foxtel and Cricket Australia have been talking in the last couple of days and whether or not they can get their deal up. Foxtel doesn't want to give up exclusivity over one-day international cricket, but has relented to allow some of the games to go on 7 Plus and the streaming platform for 7, because at the moment, that's a bit of a bit of a speed bump. So the bottom line's this. You could take the extra cash to go to Paramount and 10 and therefore end your partnership with 7 and Foxtel, or you can extend the current broadcast deal past the one that it's on, which is up to 2024, and take less money. That'll be the bottom line. Then there'll be a couple of little details around that they'll be squabbling over, and then you call in the lawyers. So here's how it works, folks. You make your pitch. Well, it actually works in reverse. Cricket Australia would have put out a tender and said, this is what we're offering, and this is what we want. And that that what we want part wouldn't include a cold, hard figure. What we want is what are you going to do for the game? So that's step one. Step two is the network sit down and then go back to Cricket Australia and say, this is what we can do for you. This is how we can promote the game. This is everything else that we can give you. And then it starts to get to the nitty-gritty of the money. So that's where they're at at the moment. If they end up staying where they are, then they'll probably get a little bit less money. If they end up going to someone else, in this case Paramount and 10, they'll get more money. But do they get the same kind of coverage and eyeballs and exposure that they would get by being with the number one free-to-air network plus the might of News Limited? It's, it's an almighty decision, and they've apparently given until this afternoon for the media companies to either sharpen their pencils or start relenting here, there, or anywhere. So we'll find that out in due course. All righty. Uh, Tommy, last time we spoke, we got into a good, solid debate about, well, money, funnily enough. And your man, Tommy Turbo, you were set the challenge. Your man, try and work it. You try and work out 
set the challenge to try and work out um, uh, minute. So dollars by minute. Yes. <laughs> now, obviously, we don't have the spot-on kind of exact figure of what these NRL players get paid because the salary is public. But I'm just going by all the reported figures, and they seem to lie at $1.1 million. That's what Tom Trevojevic is getting paid by the Manly Seagulls. So his 2022 stats played seven games for a total of 544 minutes. So it would be 560 60 minutes total if he played every game. But, of course, that last game against Para went off for about the 64th minute with that shoulder injury. So total salary of $1.1 million. That means $157,000 per game, 2022, which means $2,022 per minute for Tom Trevojevic. You compare that to his equal, because this is what Jimmy Smith was saying, if you, if you go on, on, if they're both fit, probably Tom Trevojevic and James Tedesco, one and two, two and one, however you want to order it, they're the best two fullbacks in the game when they're yep. fit. Compare that to James Tedesco, who's also on $1.1 million, as reported by a lot of other uh, reporters out there. So 24 games played in 2022, 1,853 minutes total, um, $593 per minute and $45,000 per game. So it's $112,000 less per game than Tom Dravojevic and what, a th- nearly $1,500 less a minute than Tom Dravojevic as well. Then you go to someone like Dylan Edwards who had a breakout year in 2022 for the Penrith Panthers, um, some argued he was the best fullback, didn't win Dalian fullback of the year, but had a great sensational year, won Clive Churchill medal. Um, he's on reported $500,000 per year, so a lot less than Tom Dravojevic, a lot less than James Tedesco. That figure is probably going to go up in the next few years if Penrith remains successful, and he's a key part of that team. Um, so he's reported on $500,000 per year. He played 25 games this year. So that mean, that equates to $200 per match and $252 per minute. So compare that to $200 per match for Dylan Edwards compared to $157,000 per game for Tom Trevojevic. Since 2019, when Tom Trevojevic's injury problems started occurring, he's played 44 games over those four years. He's missed 45% of the Seagulls games since the start of 2019. Total salary over four years is $4.4 million. Um, that equates to $1,252 per minute and $100,000 per game. There are some of the stats there. And this is the problem, Matty. I'll go back to this as well that I didn't get to mention last hour. Long-term deals. I'm not a fan with them. Not a fan of them. This is uh, a point that a very own Kane Corns down in SEN Melbourne, South Australia, has pushed for a long time in the AFL. And the problem with, hang- with handing out long-term deals for the players, I'm all for it. And what I'm doing right now is not to have a go at Tom Dravojevic, right? He's a great player. He has an unfortunate injury history, and he's a great guy. Never stepped a foot wrong outside of the footy field. He's got a great family, him and Jake, uh, terrific ambassadors for the game. But, and I know this is different manly officials who signed off on this deal. But when you – like these long-term deals, when you don't know what's going to happen with that player, and what it does, Matty, it doesn't mean that you can't pay them right now – but it restricts the players that you can go for in the future and it restricts the options that you have and then you're able to assess in the future because then, pardon the pun, you're hamstrung to these players. Mm. That's, that's the problem when you pay this amount of money for this long. He signed a, him and Jake signed a six-year deal at the end of 2019, keeping them at the end of 2026. Who knows Good work what's by gonna, the manager. Great work by the manager. Terrific Good work, work by, by the manager. The manager. The flip Not- side to that is that you have, you know, the flip side to that is, and 
say that the the player in in question here has devastating seasons and makes the team uh, much more attractive team to win a premiership, it's going to make the team much more attractive to other players as well. And yeah, you're going to spend the bulk of your money there, but all clubs do. Matty, who have they signed? Who have they signed that's been a big name player since Tom Derojevic has been at the no, club? No, that's that, that. This this is what I'm saying. I mean, this is the flip side. I'm not I'm not digging into Manly in particular here, but this is one of the flip sides. You're asking the questions about long term deals, and how you want you know you don't you don't want long term deals around there, and I I tend to agree. But one of the flip sides to that, it's it's like signing up a coach long-term. Why do you sign up a coach long-term? Because you want stability at the club and you want to be able to attract certain players towards the club. And the same goes with players. They want to play with other players that will allow them the opportunity to be at a winning club. Hey, Matty, I'll say this. You know what attracts players more than anything else, more than other players? It's success. It's money, but it's also success. Um, who are the big well, names? 33% who are, who... of success... At 33% is Manly's winning success rate without Tom Trebojevic. Exactly. And if I'm a player <laughs> if I'm a player and you're a smart player and you're a smart manager advising your player, you're saying if you're weighing up between, say, the Manly Seagulls and the Cowboys, Cowboys had a really good season, you're wondering, all right, was it a, was it a one-off? Was it a one-off? Because they came second last in, 2020, um, in 2021. How can I trust the Cowboys? And your manager's saying – well, hang on, how can you trust the Seagulls? You've got an ageing mm-hmm. Daly Cherry Evans and you've got a guy named Tom Travojevic who, sorry, can't stay on the field for half the season. So there you go. And it's not about – it's about being able to assess your op- options year after year. You look at the, you look at the Cowboys, um, is Jason Tamalolo still worth the same? No, Ben Hunt signed a deal worth more than $1 million. He only just proved that he was worth that money in, what, his second last year and now he's re-signed for longer. So this is just the problem, signing, signing players to long-term deals on big, big money. It restricts your options to assess where your club is at year after year because you've got another three years tied to that player. And then if you want to get rid of them, guess what? You've got to pay half of their salary or some cases even more. Dunny says on the text line, you're making a good point. You the Grinch up the rabbits. Uh, thank you, Dunny. We need to take a break. Uh, Jules is in this afternoon, so hopefully he'll be in very, very soon. Gavin says the extra money and exclusivity comes in exchange of casual eyeballs who aren't fully committed but will watch when there's not much else to watch. If they do go to Paramount, what do KO have to offer subscribers over the summer? Aside from basketball, the NRL and AFL might have to look for more summer offerings for their codes. Nines, tournaments, internationals, documentaries. Look, it would be a huge hole if you take a look at it just from the Foxtel slash KO side of the commitment, it'll be a huge hole in their scheduling. And with that comes News Limited, papers, and all of that coverage as well. Now, what happens when the sport goes away from that in terms of Foxtel and News? Well, News Limited don't show the kind of support. It's just as simple as that. I mean... They will still be reporting full-blown on cricket because it's the national pastime. It's the big sport of the summer. But they don't give it the love that they... They wouldn't give it the love that they're giving it now. And that's a massive hole. Don't underestimate the size of the hole that that would leave an organisation like that. So they will be going hardcore to try and keep their part of the deal. They may have to be flexible on what they've got and their exclusivity around it, but they would be going pretty hard to make sure that they're still in that picture, which then leads, like I said before, and Gavin, you make good points there, but then leads Cricket Australia to the decision, okay, well, what do we do here? Do we just take the big bunch of money? 
Do we just go for the cash in this one, $1.5 billion over seven years, or do we think about a bigger picture? Because whilst Paramount are a big global American-based company, they don't have the newspaper reach and all of the kind of influence here in Australia that News Limited, right or wrong, have it. It's just as simple as that. And to be frank and fair, 10 don't have the eyeballs that Channel 7 have. Just as simple as that. They don't. And they don't have the promotional vehicles. I'm not saying they wouldn't do a good job because they go for it. And the other part of that equation is, do you prefer to have all of your cricket in one place, under one umbrella, even though some would be speared off to their streaming system, or do you prefer, or are you okay with the fact that you might have to dance around to find it? It's going to be very, very fascinating to see how that plays out. Julian King is coming in very soon with the afternoon show. G'day, Jules. Hello, Matthew. Good morning to you. Good morning. What's coming up on your program? Uh, I have an extended interview with one of our great cricket scribes, Mike Coward, just getting his thoughts on the state of the game. So looking forward to that. Matty Mackay as well is going to join me to get his opinion on this whole debacle that is the AFL grand final and the clubs are more and more clubs are making statements going, not quite what we signed up to mm. uh, it, it's a big big mess and a uh, whole bunch more which I can't recall at the top of my head we'll just see how we go shall we oh we're going to talk birthdays today as well oh okay yeah uh, that's right it's your birthday that's why you're talking birthdays holy cow what am I think you told me yesterday I wrote it down on my sheet of paper and then summarily got rid of the sheet of paper. Happy sure. birthday to Thank you, mate. Thank you. Shall I send you a few links of where you can pick up 15-inch hubcaps? Or... <laughs> it's exactly... Oh, I'm not, not joking. A... No, I know. I know you're not. We're, well, you're in need. You're in need. Uh, happy birthday to you. Do you Thank share you. it with anyone famous? Or are you I holding share it for it, your well, show? I, no, it's, well, I can tell you, it's, look, it's not It's not top-shelf company. Uh, Greg Mo well, Matthews. Oh, um, hang on. You, you share reason. it with Mo? That's top-shelf. Uh, Carl Hooper. There's top-shelf. Yeah, who's um, doing commentary... West Indies in, in town. He's, he lives in Adelaide now, Carl Hooper. And uh, Frankie Dettori, the famous jockey, arguably yeah. the world's best jockey, and a former colleague mate, of you and I both, Tim Webster, has a birthday today. Oh, is it the great T. Webster's T. birthday. T. Webster's today. birthday today. He'll be listening yeah, yeah. too, Timmy. It's a happy birthday, Timmy. He will. Yes, happy birthday to you, old Bean. Nice work, mate. Well, you get down to work. Uh, enjoy your birthday show. See you later on. Bye-bye. Julian King. Uh, just a couple of texts before we go. Steve says, Matty, hope you have a, a happy Christmas. Thank you for that. Paramount, he says, can't do the A-League properly. Uh, how are they going to do the cricket? Cricket board needs to leave it where it is. That's Steve from Norellan. Thank you for that. Um, SEN cricket commentator Adam Collins will join me tomorrow. So we'll get closer to, obviously, the start day of Saturday for the first test against South Africa. We'll do our top tips with Chris Nelson as well. And I'll count down my top sporting moments, my top 10 sporting moments of 2022. So we'll run through that tomorrow, my final show of the year. Um, and, of course, tomorrow night, our ball-by-ball -ball coverage of the BBL. Myself and Dougie Bollinger will be out there at Spotless Stadium for uh, the Thunder v. the Adelaide Strikers. So I hope you can join me tomorrow and then again tomorrow night as well. Uh, brilliant release from the Wanderers, Matty, says Greg. So many fans have no idea of the reality of running these leagues. At no point has this APL decision been made permanent. Just remember at least one club in the leagues being held together by the willingness of a number of club owners to keep them in the league, says Greg, um, who points out he will not be walking out on his Sky Blues. Uh, thank you for that, Greg.
Um, Matty, I'm sure sandpaper will be brought up in the test match, just as I'm sure the Aussies would have given it to the South Africans after they were called ball tampering. Um, it's off the back of that one. And then a lot around Davey Warner too, looking at his best when he, he did it in quick time and he didn't mess around. An entertainer, says Gary. Also, he was never dropped like some of our great openers who made their way back. Um, there you go. Thank you for that. Gary, appreciate your thoughts on that one. Uh, make sure you stay tuned because Julian King is coming up. We'll count down our top ten sporting moments of the year tomorrow and we'll continue this discussion with you on any sport topic you would like to cover. Uh, SEN Christmas party ahead of us, so I'm assuming that I'll be here, ready to rumble first thing. Nice, clear head. Hope you can join me then. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Thanks for your company today. Enjoy the rest of the day. Jules is coming up. Bye for now.